What about it, pro wrestling fans, and welcome back to What About Wrestling. I'm your host, Dylan Roberts, and boy, do we have a big show planned for you this week. First, I want to go ahead and say thank you for listening, and go follow us on all social medias. You can follow us at What About Wrestling and WA Wrestling Pod on all socials. We're really easy to find, and it helps me out a lot. If you're not subscribed to me on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, please do that, or I think Spotify calls it following. So make sure you go do that. Believe it or not, following and subscribing to me actually helps me more than you listening to the actual episodes according to the metrics that I get back. So if you're listening to this, I appreciate you so much, but it would help me out a lot more if you are downloading the episodes and following me slash subscribing to me as well. Again, I know that's a big ask, but please just do that because I want to grow this thing. I want to start doing giveaways, which I have some big giveaways planned. I'm nailing down the final details on those right now. So that's another reason to go follow me on social media. That's where I'll be doing the giveaways. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing the giveaway on Instagram, but it could be on TikTok, Facebook. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to be doing a giveaway And in order to be entered in the giveaway, you're going to have to be following me. So go ahead and go do that. And with all that being said, we're going to talk this week about the weekend wrestling, of course. And we're going to be going over, is Cody Rhodes the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns? It seems inevitable at this point, but is it the right call? And is it actually going to happen? Is WWE leading us into a dead end? We're not sure because there's rumors floating around now that Cody's actually possibly not going to be the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns. So we'll see about that as well as the main event this week is going to be who is Mr. WrestleMania. There's a certain guy who's kicked around a lot. He even wears the moniker on his t-shirts and whatnot that he is Mr. WrestleMania. But is he really? We're going to go over that. I want to hear your discussion on this, guys. I want to know, do you think Cody Rhodes is the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns? And who is your Mr. WrestleMania? With all that being said, let's get into the week in wrestling. I want to start this out by saying I did not watch enough of AEW this week to give any feedback on it. I started watching Dynamite, and then it just wasn't very interesting. The kids were ready to go to bed and we were doing some nightly chores and all that kind of stuff so I just didn't get around to watching the rest of it honestly because I just wasn't that interested in it it just did not catch my attention I watched the start of the show with MJF's rebar mitzvah and Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen and Jungle Boy were in the ring and it just I don't know man it just wasn't for me from the get-go I love MJF, but the other three guys I really just don't think deserve to be in the ring with him right now. Could they possibly in the future? Yes. Are they the four pillars of AEW? Yes. But I don't know. I I want MJF to have these big main event rivalries, and that's not what any of that is. So I'm going to catch up on it. I need to read up on it. It's been a real busy week for me, so... I just didn't ever get around to finishing it, and I didn't want to come on here and just read off results and not really know anything about what I'm talking about. So, with that being said, there's no AEW this week, but I do want to say AEW continues to lose me a little bit. I don't know if they're going to 
like I said, with the, with the Revolution pay-per-view, it really kind of helped me get back into it a little bit. But even within just a week, they lost me with the Powerhouse Hobbs stuff and the Wardlow stuff. So, I don't know, man. AEW, I know what they're... They're trying to just appeal to their audience, which is cool. But that audience daily becomes not me more and more and more. So, I don't know. I just love pro wrestling so much. I want to love AEW. But right now, it's just not for me. And like I said, I started watching the the show this week dynamite and it just was not clicking so it's not going to be in here with that being said let's go ahead and get into raw the show started out hot with edge coming out first edge ends up challenging finn balor to a hell in a cell match at wrestlemania which was the rumors going around we've talked about that on the podcast and balor accepts a brawl ends up breaking out and johnny gargano loomis and candace LeRae run in that led us to our first match between Johnny Gargano and Loomis versus Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. The Judgment Day picks up the win. Then we go to a clip of Miz entering the building early in the day. And Chad Gable stops him and asks him if him and Kathy Kelly have seen Otis. They're interrupted by Damage Control attacking Trish Stratus. In the next segment, Omos and MVP cut a promo on Brock Lesnar. Brock comes to the ring to interrupt him. The two have a stare down, and then Omos attempts to throw Brock out of the ring, and they don't quite hit the spot on that. So I'm really hating this just as much as I thought I was going to, but I will say this. I work with a very small group of guys. None of them watch wrestling, and two of them have already asked me this week about what's going on with Brock Lesnar and the seven foot tall dude. So WWE is accomplishing exactly what they want to accomplish. I'm pretty sure they said that this clip got the most views on all their socials this week. So with that being said, I'm going to continue to give this story a chance. I'm going to enjoy the spectacle while I'm sitting in my living room watching WrestleMania. It's going to be a spectacle, so I'm stoked for it. I hope that they clean things up before we get there. I know that Brock's capable of that. I have not seen a whole lot from Omos that promises me that he's going to be able to do this and live up to this moment. But again, there's people talking, people that never, ever, ever watch wrestling. I'm talking, one of the guys that asked me says he's never watched wrestling. Never sat down and watched wrestling ever, but it popped up on his Facebook. He knew who Brock Lesnar was from the UFC stuff, so he asked me about it. They're doing what they're, they're, doing what they're trying to do, so you can't hate on it. Cody Rhodes is out next. He's so over that it's kind of shocking that he didn't catch any of the heat from Sammy not, Sammy not winning at the Elimination Chamber and then being champion and going into the main event of WrestleMania. Um, the match was pretty decent. Cody adds another layer to the story um, after the match whenever he says that he acknowledges the Tribal Chief, but he wants acknowledgement. Some of the stuff he threw in there about wearing suits and doing the whole shtick because he wants to feel and look special I thought was a great touch because Cody is aware right Cody is very aware of maybe what the haters and the naysayers say about Cody he gets it and he knows that most of the fans are enjoying him right now most of the fans think that he deserves to be where he is but there are some haters out there that maybe think a certain way and all he does is he acknowledges those things and then kind of shoves them back in your face, which is, I think, what he needs to do because those people aren't going to respect him no matter what he does because I don't think that Cody has done anything 
that would lead me to dislike him. I mean, I'm a huge Cody Rose fan, so that doesn't, I don't really count, I don't guess. But I'm saying if I wasn't a Cody Rose fan and I didn't follow him and watch some of his indie matches and then watch him in AEW and was a fan of him before he left or whatever the situation may be, I think that I would still love Cody Rhodes. He cut a great promo and, man, he was in incredible shape this week. As somebody who really enjoys working out and can appreciate a body transformation. Cody Rhodes has always kind of said he's not a body guy, but he's always had a pretty good physique. He has always kind of looked athletic. But this week he came in and he was so dry looking. There was veins everywhere on this dude. He looked like he was getting ready for like a physique competition or something like that. So he's putting in the work to get ready for WrestleMania. He's trying to look a certain way. He's trying to perform a certain way. Shout out to him for getting ready for the big moment. Byron Saxton does an interview with Seth Rollins where he continues to build for his match with Logan Paul and The Miz interrupts saying there's going to be an episode of Impulsive Live and he's going to be the special guest. Then Baron Corbin interrupts the two of them and says he's going to give Rollins some lessons on how to fight so that Logan doesn't knock him out again. That pisses Rollins off so he challenges him to a match later in the show. So we know that's coming later up. Bronson Reed defeats Elias. Bronson Reed could not possibly get any less of a crowd reaction than what he gets. I don't know what they're doing with Bronson Reed. He's big. He's kind of athletic. I think he tries too hard to show like I'm a big man and I respect the history of big man by doing like a lot of the Vader spots and a lot of the Bam Bam spots and even wearing gear that looks like Bam Bam. There's nothing wrong with having heroes and wearing like parody gear of your favorite wrestlers i don't have a problem with that but when that is your only character attribute i think that that's a problem w this is all on wwe by the way i'm not blaming any of this on bronson they've not built him to even tell me is he a good guy is he a bad guy i mean i get that there's tweeners and not everybody has to be babyface and heel but Make me interested in the guy a little bit. Give me something. Give me a something about his backstory or, or anything other than, well, he was really good in NXT. It's like, dude, 90% of your audience doesn't even watch NXT. I rarely watch NXT, and I host a freaking wrestling podcast. So you're not going to be able to just live off of the NXT thing. I get it. There are guys who come out of NXT and they are immediately propelled into stardom and it works. An ongoing trend for a long time was somebody would be big in NXT and they would come to the main roster and then they would just fall by the wayside and then never to be hurt again. I'm not saying that they're doing that with Bronson Reed because they're putting him on TV. They're giving him matches. They're trying to build him, but they're not doing a very good job of it at all. So... I don't know, I just thought it was crazy how there was no fan reaction at all. No boos, no cheers. Like 80% of the audience didn't even stand up whenever he walked to the ring. It's like they paid money to cheer and boo, and they're not doing that. So just really odd. I, I don't know, they're going to have to figure it out with him. Kathy Kelly interviews Kevin Owens next. He reiterates that he doesn't want any help from Sammy, Cody, or anyone else. In his match later in the night against Solo Sokoa, Austin Theory passes the Street Profits backstage and they clown on him for John Cena roasting him last week. And then Theory cuts what I thought was a phenomenal promo on them, which they done a really good job of just kind of setting back and letting him give his spiel. And you could tell this was a pre-recorded promo. 
obviously, because he has a match right after this, and he was in street clothes when they cut it. But I think that Theory needs to do more of these pre-recorded promos because dude's got chops. When he's on a live mic in front of a crowd, he's not bad at all. But the way that he was able to speak in this pre-recorded segment made me think, damn, this dude is a star, like a mega star in the making, which I think has kind of been lost on him over the past couple months. I think he's kind of cooled off just a little bit. But with this John Cena stuff coming up, he's going to have to get back into that mega stardom. I think a good way to do that is to let him cut these pre-recorded promos. I didn't really see anybody online saying anything about how good his promo was, so maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. But he can definitely go on the mic. The next match on the show was Austin Theory defeating Angelo Dawkins from the Street Profits. After the match, he applies to STFU to Dawkins, and Montez Ford runs to the ring for the save. So they're building him. They're making him look special. They're making him look like he can actually go with John Cena. So I'm excited to see where it goes. You guys know how big of a John Cena fan I am, so I want the match to be good. Next, Rey Mysterio comes out to thank the fans for a great career. And Dominic comes out and runs down Rey for being a bad dad again. And he's a sorry excuse for a man. In one of the lines, Dom says, when all of his friends was getting a new Mercedes, Rey got him a BMW. And it wasn't even an uh, M-Series. Which I thought was just, man, that was perfect. Like, he's playing the role of a spoiled brat son. So good. I can't, I, I literally can't heap enough praise on the Dominic Mysterio over the past few weeks. I know I talk about him every week, but I still don't feel like I do him justice on how good he is and how good he's become. Especially considering a year ago, whenever he came to the ring for his match, I could not have cared less about Dominic Mysterio other than, man, he's wearing some really cool gear that looks like the gear that Eddie Guerrero wore back in the day. So, I don't know. He goes on to challenge Ray to a match, and of course, Ray Mysterio says no. The next match, Seth Rollins squashes Baron Corbin really quickly. I think it was like two minutes. Next, Chad Gable continues to search for Otis. Mustafa Ali interrupts him um, with his Mustafa motivation shtick and tells him to be positive, but Gable tells him to shoosh. Gable spots Otis doing a photo shoot with maximum male models. Gable interrupts Monsoor and insults him and... Gable asks what happened to their match tonight against the OC, and Monsoor says he broke a nail scrolling Instagram, so they're not cosmetically clear to compete, and the match has been delayed until next week. Gable slides in to take some photos and somehow breaks Monsoor's camera, to which Mace says he broke it with his ick. Maxine Dupree insults Gable too, and they walk off. Gable tells Otis they missed their morning training session, but he thinks they can cram a session in. And Dupree calls for Otis to come, and he does, telling Gable he's sorry, coach. You know, I'm really starting to slowly enjoy this story. They say funny don't make money in wrestling, but while this isn't ever going to be a main event at a pay-per-view, I do feel like it is good comic relief during Raw. I don't feel like Raw has to be all competitive sports the whole time. I do think that there is a place for this kind of thing, and I'm pretty sure a couple weeks ago I was talking about how bad this was, but... It just goes to show you that if you continue course on telling a story, if you have a plan going forward with the story, that you can change people's minds on whether it sucks or not. Because I've bought in now. I'm into this. I'm into the Maximum Male Model story. 
it's weird for them to be on TV and then maybe like, you know, my parents walk in or my wife walks in and think like, what in the hell is he watching? But at the same time, like if they sit down and watch it, I think they could get some enjoyment out of it, out of these two dudes being so over the top. And then now they're recruiting this very heavy set dude to come in who has no good looks about him, bless Otis's heart. And they're trying to turn him into a model. And Chad Gable is just I think Chad Gable's pinning himself into a corner here. I think that he is so good at turning bad gimmicks into good things that he's, I don't think he's ever going to be able to show like the serious side of him. I would love to see Chad Gable in like a 2006 Kurt Angle role. He's a little smaller, so I I don't know how that would work, but Chad Gable, I mean, we talked about this last week. Chad Gable can be in the ring with anybody, right? So he's going to have good matches. He could, if he had the right character, be at least Intercontinental or U.S. Champion. If not, have a small, short run with the WWE or Universal title in a couple of years. Like, there's going to go, there, we're going to have another transitionary phase with the titles. It just always happens every two or three years. The title starts bouncing around a little bit. Maybe a guy has it for a month. Maybe a guy has it for a few weeks. It happens. Chad Gable could be one of those guys. Chad Gable could be one of your champions for just a little bit. I don't know that he'll ever hold it for a long time. But under the right character and under the right circumstances, I think he could. So in the next match, Bianca Belair defeats Chelsea Green. After the match, Green and Carmella attack Belair. Oscar runs in for the save. And Oscar and Belair have another stare down. It is the same thing every single week. This is getting so old. I cannot just... It stresses me out, man. I have said the same thing on this podcast for every episode. We're in episode four, and for four straight weeks, I have said the same thing about this. Make me care. And then every single week, there has some kind of match, and then there's a stare down between the two of them, and then that's the end of it. Nobody really talks. Nobody really says anything about hating each other or anything. Like, give me something. I, it's, oh my gosh. I literally, I just can't even begin to explain how furious it makes me that two of your top female talent are going to go into a match at WrestleMania for your top female belt. Well, I mean, it's tied with the SmackDown Women's title, I guess. And it's not going to matter at all there is nothing to care about in this match i don't care if they put on a 20 star classic i do not care if i don't have some kind of investment in this match this is going to be the match where i get up and i go get more hot wings and i go get more doritos and another drink and take a piss break and you know hang out with the kids for a second This match does not matter to me, and it's seeming like it's not ever going to matter to me. And I hate that. It's a title match. Make me care. The main event of Raw saw Solo Sokoa defeat Kevin Owens in a street fight with an assist from the Usos. That's two extremely entertaining street fights from Solo this year already, and it's only March. And he's turning into... One of my favorites on the roster right now. I mean, Solo Sokoa has star written all over him to me. I think if he gets a mouthpiece, and maybe it's Paul Heyman, maybe it's somebody else, or maybe he can talk. I don't know. I've never, I didn't see him talk much in NXT. 
Maybe he can go on the mic. I don't know. I kind of like the silent killer thing, though. So I think he kind of just needs a mouthpiece just because. I want to see him in a program, like a big-time program. I was texting one of my buddies before I, before I started the podcast, and I was kind of asking the question about the bloodline because the bloodline just continues. The story gets better every single week with the bloodline, okay? It's like the opposite of the Oscar and Bel Air thing. Every single week, I care a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about what the bloodline's doing. So I asked, what what do they do next? What happens? Because my idea is you let Cody win the titles at WrestleMania possibly. I don't know. We're going to kind of get into that. But I'm leaning more towards that. And then what happens with Roman? Or what happens with the bloodline as a whole? What if when we come out of WrestleMania, the bloodline goes from having you know six titles to having zero? What's the deal then? Well... Your only option is to start having them fight each other. Who's Solo Sokoa's opponent going to be? You know, everybody thinks that the next thing is Jay versus Roman. I think that it's Solo versus Roman. The story is not there as much yet, which you can build to. But Solo, man, he's not what I was saying about Chad Gable. He's not somebody you put the belt on for a couple weeks and then they drop it again. I think Solo could be your world champion for a little while. I think Solo could be, you know, he's not, nobody's going to hold the title again for 900 days, I don't think. I think this is the last time we ever see that with Roman. But, you know, three or four months, five, six months, go from, you know, a few pay-per-views to a few pay-per-views, main event a couple of them with the titles. I think Solo could be that guy. Moving on to SmackDown, the show starts with Cody coming to the ring. The fans are a thousand percent all in on Cody. It's great to see. Like I said, I was genuinely worried that he would cool off a touch with the build to WrestleMania. I just thought that somewhere in the middle here, fans kind of going to have a short attention span. They're not going to be able to do enough with Cody, and he just hasn't cooled off anymore. I just talked about him on Raw. SmackDown, it's more the same. The fans are just eating him up. They just want more Cody Rhodes and more Cody Rhodes and more Cody Rhodes. In the ring, he asked Kevin Owens to come to the ring. And then Sami Zayn and Kevin says he's heard everything that Sami has to say and Cody has to say. And while he appreciates it, he's good and he leaves. After commercial, we see Kevin Owens in the parking lot. And as he's getting ready to leave, Sami Zayn runs out to stop him. Sami says, forget what he said about the bloodline and all of that. They are friends and always have been and always will be. They are brothers. Sammy says if Kevin Owens never wants to talk to him again, that's fine, but he loves him. Owens gets in his car to leave and then speeds away with Sammy looking for Owens to turn around, but he never does. Rhea Ripley and Dominic defeat Santos Escobar and Zelina Vega in the first match on the show. Ray shows up and cuts an incredible promo. I thought this was so great. I thought he'd done such a good job of kind of laying more and more pieces into this puzzle. While also, you know, shilling to the fans a little bit. You know, he's kind of saying like, just, it feels like a retirement tour because he's saying, you know, thank you so much to all of y'all. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Couldn't do it without you. I think he's doing a great job with that. But this story with Dominic and Ray, it's slowly becoming one of my favorite stories heading into WrestleMania. And if they throw in the step of this is Ray's last match, man, it's going to be even that much better because it's going to have so much drama behind it. Ray's going into the Hall of Fame, and then you move into possibly a retirement match. 
They're doing a great job. Again, I've already just heaped praise all over Dominic during the show, so I won't do some more of that. But in the next match, Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan defeat Tegan Knox and Emma to move on to the Showcase Women's Tag Match at WrestleMania. Don't even know what that is. Don't even know where that came from. All I could think about watching this, first off, all I thought was whenever Raquel and Liv walked out together, I was like, what are they doing together? Like, why are we just having a random tag match on SmackDown with just two random women against two other random women? Did not make any sense to me at all. Once the match was over, I just, it is so sad how far Liv Morgan has fallen in the last six months. She is one of the best female wrestlers on the roster and in the world. I truly believe that she's on the level of Becky and Bailey and Charlotte and Rhea and Bianca and Asuka. I know that not everyone can be in the main event at all times. Like it's a cyclical thing. Like it kind of just rotates people in and out of it. Charlotte kind of always seems to stay there, but everybody else kind of just rotates in and out of the main event scene. But they could have at least done something with Liv. They could have found one other female wrestler, developed a story with her, and gave us a match at WrestleMania, or just not put her on the card at all. I don't know. If anything feels better than having her and Raquel Rodriguez as a tag team in a women's showcase tag match that's probably going to be on the pre-show. I mean... This girl was your champion at SummerSlam this year. Six months ago, she was your champion. She had all this momentum, and then Ronda killed it pretty much, which is... I don't know, man. I get Ronda. I understand why she's there. It's the same thing as what I was talking about with Omos and Brock earlier. People are going to tune in for it. And I am a big believer in that casuals are the ones that actually make your product. Your diehards are not the ones that make your product. Your casuals are. But, man, I just feel so bad about Liv. And maybe it's because I'm biased and she's one of my favorites. And maybe everything I just said about her being on the level of Becky and Bailey and Charlotte and the rest of the girls. Maybe it's not true. Maybe she's not that good. Maybe I'm just bought in on her personally and that's where the story ends. But... This is my podcast, and I'm going to say straight up, she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Maybe not in the ring. Her in-ring in work is a 7 out of 10. Her character works a 7 or 8 out of 10. But at the end of the day, I think she has a pretty good average of what you want your star to be and to look like. And I met her during Summer Sun Weekend, and she has a very star-like quality about her. She knows how to carry herself. She knows how to look, how to dress, how to interact with kids. She was great with my daughter. People were so happy to meet her. She spent time with these people. And I understand that most of the roster is like that. But she's somebody that you can send on to these Today shows and that kind of thing and not have it be some kind of weird circumstance. I think that she fits that mold really well. Charlotte comes out, she cuts a great promo, and then Rhea comes to the ring and also cuts a great promo. They both done a really, really good job here. Rhea done something that I think a lot of heels have a tough time doing, or even baby faces, but mostly heels, have a tough time doing nowadays, and that's putting over your opponent while running them into the ground. You can cut a promo on somebody and build them up instead of tearing them down. You don't have to go the route of, Oh, well, you're not worth my time. I don't even know why I'd be in the ring with you, which is what John Cena done to Austin Theory last week. 
So I hope that that changes up a little bit. I don't want to just think, well, <laughs> you know, Cena's right. Austin Theory ain't worth our time. With heels, it's a little bit different because when you're a baby face and you say things like that, the fans are just like, hell yeah, you know, he don't deserve to be in the ring with you because you're supposed to hate him. But when the heel does it to the baby face, they need to put them over. They need to make them out to be this big deal because when they beat them, it feels like an even bigger deal. I thought that Rhea done a really good job with that. They end up brawling out into the crowd and uh, that's kind of where the segment ends. In the next match, Xavier Woods defeats LA Knight. My only note on this is if the rumors are true, which there's some rumors circulating out there, and LA Knight is supposed to face Stone Cold at WrestleMania, this is a really odd way of getting there. Having him lose to a guy who is a perennial undercard guy, and I love Xavier Woods to death. I think that he is super cool, and I love the New Day, but facts are facts and Xavier Woods he's never been in the main event he's never even held a title outside of the tag titles he's a friendly face but he's not a fan favorite nobody on planet earth is going to sit here and tell you Xavier Woods is their favorite wrestler so why if you are and this is you know if he's if they're not trying to get LA Knight ready for Stone Cold then this is all fine and I'm super cool with this but if the rumors are true this is not how you prepare somebody to face Stone Cold. Just plain and simple. So we'll see what happens. The next match between Sheamus and Drew McIntyre ends in a double DQ when Imperium interrupts the match. Adam Pearce comes out and he announces that the Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania will be a triple threat between Gunther, Sheamus, and McIntyre. These three dudes are going to beat the hell out of each other the entire match. And I cannot wait for it. It's going to be so fun to watch. It's going to be one of those matches where later on in the show, you're going to look at your buddy and go, dude, they were they were beating the hell out of each other earlier. Whenever Asuka and uh, Belair's on, you're going to look at your buddy and start talking about this match because of how good it was. The final segment on the show saw Jay Uso telling Sammy that he never liked him and he never trusted him and pretty much the whole spiel that we were expecting. But the Usos start attacking Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens runs in for the save. And finally, the moment we've all been waiting for is Kevin Owens hugging Sami Zayn and the crowd goes berserk. I know that I talked about the SmackDown crowd last week being just terrible. This SmackDown crowd was so into this. They popped so loud, and they deserved it. It was a big moment, and again, I can't wait to see where this goes. It continues to get better every single week. They add a little bit more and a little bit more without giving you all of your birthday cake at once. They just give you a little piece, maybe a little, little icing right there, a little sprinkles here and there. So they're doing a really good job with it, and I can't wait to see where it goes. It's now time for the high spot of the week. This week we are talking about is Cody Rhodes, the guy that deserves to dethrone Roman Reigns. I'll start by saying the Cody Rhodes, the Cody Runnels story is incredibly interesting to me because this whole undesirable to undeniable to uncrowned thing, that's not just a catchphrase to him. 
Cody Ronalds has lived that life. He has felt it. He's He's been in the trenches with that feeling and that thought and that line of phrasing there. He has felt undesirable. He has felt undeniable. And now he's back and he's on top of the world after winning the 2023 Royal Rumble. And now he's just left uncrowned. And at WrestleMania, he thinks that that's all going to change. You know, Cody went from whenever he was in high school being a state champion, amateur wrestler. He's Dusty's son. He finally got what he wanted and started wrestling and got to the WWE virtually immediately. But he bounces around the middle of the card and he ends up quitting and hitting the indies real hard. And we all remember the list that he posted on Twitter. It was you know, several guys that he wanted to face on the indie scene and some things he wanted to accomplish. And I'm pretty sure he got to all of them but one, which was Roderick Strong. And then he joins the Bullet Club. And then he starts his own company, which has been very successful. And as as much as I say negative about AEW, there's one thing that you can't deny about AEW. They're doing exactly what they set out to do. They're being an alternative to the WWE brand. And Cody is a big reason for that. Cody brought some of that WWE flavor. He brought some of that WWE knowledge in while not forcing the WWE, I don't know, idea and style and presentation onto AEW. After that, he comes back. And he comes back in this phenomenal fashion at WrestleMania. The people that knew he was going to be there were excited for him to be there. I was incredibly excited for him to come to WWE. The people who had no clue that he was coming were pleasantly surprised whenever he showed up. He goes on to start taking over the company. He has wins over Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, The Miz, Austin Theory, as well as some tag matches here and there. After Mania, he goes on to face Seth Rollins for a second time at Backlash, and then he tears his peck the day before Hell in a Cell and wrestles to match anyways, and then goes on to win the 2023 Royal Rumble. Cody has had the perfect comeback. And if you really look back on it, and if this was a movie, he would be easily one of the easiest characters to be interested in. Just his life. You think, oh, well, if you're trying to tell this story to somebody, and you're sitting there and you're telling them, yeah, this guy that's going to main event WrestleMania this year, he's one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. It's his son. And they're thinking, oh, yeah, well, you know, he kind of just got handed that spot because he's he's dude's son. And then you tell them, no, it, the story's a lot different, and we're going to walk you through it. And you made a movie about it. I bet the viewer who cares nothing about wrestling could be totally bought into this story. It's getting to the point, though, where it is now time for it to all go down. Roman Reigns is currently on a 929-day title reign. By the time this show comes out, because I'm recording this directly after SmackDown, it'll be 930 days. His wins include wins over Jey Uso, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Cesaro, Rey Mysterio, John Cena, Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Goldberg, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Logan Paul, and coming up next is Cody Rhodes. 
You know, I think it's easy for me as a huge fan of Cody Rhodes to sit back and be like, yep, he's the guy. The story's been great. They've told it perfectly. I think that they're doing just as good, of, if not better, a job of telling this Cody Rhodes story as they done with the Sami Zayn story. And before you start hating on that immediately, the reason that you may possibly feel the Sami story is better is because of time. Cody's only been back since the Royal Rumble. He hasn't had this nine-month, ten-month time period to develop this story. But I think, personally, and it, again, this could all be my bias, but it's my podcast, so I'm going to talk about it. I think that Cody Rhodes, he's been so hot, and the machine has done such a good job of getting behind Cody while not making him feel like he's shoved down our throats. You know, the the. This is odd because I bring that up, not being shoved on our throats, because his opponent is Roman Reigns. What killed Roman Reigns for so many years? That fans thought that he was being shoved down our throats. None of that's happened with Cody. I have not seen that anywhere. That Cody Rhodes is being forced upon us. We don't want him. There was a segment of people that said we would have rather had Sammy, but nobody said we don't want Cody. Okay, that's probably a lot. I'm sure there is some some small, small, small percentage of people who say, well, we just don't want Cody. Anybody but Cody. It should have been Sammy, but it can be anybody but Cody. Cody has had the perfect trajectory. And I think that it is now time for this historic run of Roman Reigns to come to an end. The speculation's been running rampant. The story is that Triple H has changed his mind. He's going to stick with Roman through WrestleMania and get the title off of him before the summer. Triple H is going to stick with Roman Reigns. He's going to get the title off of him at SummerSlam. He's going to stick with Roman Reigns. He's going to take it off of him at WrestleMania 40. Who knows? Okay? Nobody really knows. The dirt sheets don't know. None of us know. But the question isn't, what do you know about behind the scenes? The question is, is it time? Is it Cody Rhodes' time? You know, you can sit here and say all day, well, Roman's doing a great job while I take it off of him, and I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the business, and it's not even close. But is it time for a new world champion? I think it is. I My final conclusion on this is yes. Cody Rhodes is the guy. Cody Rhodes is your next champion. Cody Rhodes is a megastar. It's time to put the straps on him and let him carry the company on for a little while. I'm not saying keep both of them on him because I do think it is time for another brand split and another draft. But the WWE Championship, the number one, numero uno, needs to be around the waist of Cody Rhodes. It is now time for the main event of the evening So, when developing this list, well, it's pretty easy to get started off and narrow this list down a little bit to who we think that it might be. You know, the obvious first one, Shawn Michaels, the guy who goes by Mr. WrestleMania. I'm going to give you some statistics on these guys as I'm talking about them. Shawn Michaels is tied for fourth most matches with 17 total matches. He has a record of 6 and 11 Some of his notable matches include both of the Taker matches, the retirement match against Ric Flair, 
and his Iron Man match against Bret Hart. And those are just a few guys. I'm not going to name off every WrestleMania match these guys have had. Like I said, Shawn Michaels has 17. Shawn goes into WrestleMania every year that he performed and stole the show. That is without question. He knows what he's doing inside the squared circle. There's a reason that people consider him the greatest of all time, including myself. Shawn Michaels knew how to take the big spectacle, the big moment of WrestleMania and make it feel even that much more important. He knew how to take this grandest show, the granddaddy of them all, a show that isn't necessarily revolving around the in-ring work and make you think about how good he is at actually wrestling. He calls himself Mr. WrestleMania. It's easy to say Sean is Mr. WrestleMania. But what if I gave you some other names? What about the guy who has the most WrestleMania matches of all time with 27 of them? He won 21 straight matches at WrestleMania, The Undertaker. We just talked about him last week and his streak and how impressive it was. Some of his notable matches include both of the Shawn matches and his Hell in a Cell with Triple H. Those three matches to me kind of define The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Might possibly throw in WrestleMania 14 and 20 against Kane because both of those matches meant so much to me as a person. But The Undertaker, he's got the most matches at WrestleMania all time. And this is another one. I don't know if that'll ever be touched. I mean, we talked on it last week. It's going to be hard for somebody to win 21 straight. It's going to be hard as hell for somebody to just wrestle at 27 WrestleManias. Undertaker, he had some gaps in there. I mean, there was, I think there was like two or three years he didn't perform at all in that, in that time slot. So it's going to be tough for somebody to touch those records. What about the next guy with the second most matches of all time? Triple H. He has 23 total matches. He has a record of 10 and 13. Some of his notable matches include the Hell in a Cell with The Undertaker that I just mentioned, his match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. And he even had a really great match with Owen Hart at WrestleMania 14. The thing about Triple H that makes you want to say he is Mr. WrestleMania is Triple H understood, and definitely understands it now, the spectacle of WrestleMania. He understood about the entrances, the presentation of WrestleMania, and what it meant to him as a character, and him as a person and how he wanted to be remembered you know it's easy to talk about triple h's entrances his entrance at wrestlemania 31 the terminator thing his entrance on the motorcycles at wrestlemania 33 his king of kings entrance at wrestlemania 30 he's had some wild entrances that's part of the beauty of wrestlemania and triple h gets it and it's just because he's so involved in the industry and then like i just said now, he is completely immersed in it. It's his decision now what goes down. I couldn't imagine if he was the booker and a talent. You know, he can't perform anymore. But could you imagine if Triple H had a match now, what his entrance would look like? It would be insane. Next on the list, and this one, the metrics surprised me on this one. Next I have on my list, Randy Orton. He has the third most matches all time. With 18, he has a record of 8 and 10. Some of his notable matches include the triple threat with Daniel Bryan and Batista. His match with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. His match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 21. Randy Orton is one 
that is not going to get respect whenever I put him on this list um, of people to just even choose from for when you're choosing Mr. WrestleMania. Randy Orton gets a lot of hate for his in-ring work and his character development, but he has the third most matches all time at WrestleMania. You'll notice a trend with a lot of these guys. Outside of The Undertaker so far, everybody I've talked about has had a losing record. So what does that tell you? The ones on the biggest stage know how to make other people come up and appear bigger. Randy Orton has always been great about that. He even done it with The Undertaker. I think that Randy Orton acting the way that he acted and living that character so well made The Undertaker seem even more impressive. Next on the list is the guy that pretty much defines WrestleMania to most people, I think. If there wasn't a Hulk Hogan, there would be no WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan has the 12th most matches of all time at WrestleMania. He has a record of 8-3-1. and one. I'm pretty sure the one is his no contest at WrestleMania 9. Him and Brutus versus Money Incorporated. Some of his notable matches include a match where he made the Ultimate Warrior look like a star. He had the Andre the Giant match at WrestleMania 3, the biggest... I mean, some people say that's the biggest moment in WrestleMania history. The match with Randy Savage at WrestleMania 5. Cody Rhodes' favorite WrestleMania match of all time, and one of my favorite as well, his match at WrestleMania 18 with The Rock. Hulk Hogan's really easy to say why he could be Mr. WrestleMania, right? If there was no Hogan, there would be no WrestleMania at all. Hogan main evented eight WrestleManias. He is the most all-time. So I don't think it would be hard to understand why somebody might consider Hulk Hogan Mr. WrestleMania. Putting personal things aside, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, Hulk Hogan the performer is so crucial to not only WrestleMania but for professional wrestling as a whole. And on top of all that, he made the Ultimate Warrior look like he could wrestle a little bit. So I mean, he deserves to be Mr. WrestleMania just for that. The next person I have on my list is John Cena. He has the six most matches of all time with 15. He has a 10 and 5 record, and he carried a generation of wrestling on his shoulders. He's one of the greatest of all time. Some of his notable matches include one of my favorites, the Firefly Funhouse match. He has a great match with Sean at WrestleMania 23. And both of his rock matches were really good and really important to wrestling. So, John is really easy. Big match John, Super Cena. I mean, the guy just encapsulates what it means to be in that big time moment. So, John Cena is an easy one. Number 22 on the most matches all time list is Roman Reigns. He has nine total matches. He's seven and two. He has the second most main events behind Hulk Hogan. It will be seven main events this year. And technically, Hogan has eight. So, Roman's creeping right up there on Hogan as far as just like being on top and what it means to be on top. And what's crazy about that is he took a few years off during COVID. He had cancer right before WrestleMania 35, so he didn't main event 35. And then COVID went down, and so he wasn't at WrestleMania 36 at all because of, you know, because of the cancer and the health issues that could be related with COVID. Some of his matches, Roman's underrated as hell in the ring. His match with Edge and Daniel Bryan at 37 was an all-time classic. I thought his match at WrestleMania 32 with Triple H was pretty good. And his matches with Brock 
are always for a certain kind of fan, I think. I think his match with Brock at WrestleMania 31, they beat the hell out of each other. That match is remembered for one reason and one reason only. It is my favorite WrestleMania moment of all time when Seth Rollins cashed in. But before that, the two dudes were having a pretty dang good match. So... Roman kind of gets overlooked as far as his in-ring seal goes, and I get that. I mean, he's not Shawn Michaels, he's not Ric Flair, but he's had some pretty good matches at WrestleMania. What about this next one on the list? He has the most wins while being undefeated at WrestleMania currently. He's 4-0. It's Mr. Rob Van Dam. Is Rob Van Dam Mr. WrestleMania? One could argue it. He's tied for 84th matches um, most all-time. He has some weird matches at WrestleMania. I think he wrestled William Regal at WrestleMania 18. He's been in a couple of the latter matches, I do believe. Rob has... Look, he's not Mr. WrestleMania. I just felt like he needed to be on the list because he's 4-0, and that's the highest undefeated streak at WrestleMania right now. I think people that could catch him... I mean, Braun Strowman's 3-0... and I don't know what they're going to do with Braun going forward. At one time, he looked like he's going to be a main eventer. But Braun Strowman's 3-0. I've seen him on the list not far behind. So, yep, had to have Rob Van Dam on the list. The next one is the biggest star the industry's ever seen and possibly ever will see. He is Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not only was he a blockbuster at the box office, Stone Cold Steve Austin has the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. It's not in question. I I don't think it's in question. The only thing that I would accept as an arguable answer would be Shawn and Taker at WrestleMania 25. Currently, the way it sets is Austin and Brett at WrestleMania 13 at 1. And at 2, I have Shawn and Taker at 25. And then... From there on out, there's a large gap, and then it starts at three with whoever the hell. Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, I guess. He's tied for 26th most matches all-time at WrestleMania, so not a whole lot of matches with eight total matches. He's 6-2. and two. He got his WrestleMania career started by defeating Savio Vega. And if you've ever heard Austin talk about Savio Vega, he talks about the chemistry that they had. He thinks that it's magical. He thought they wrestled really well together. One of his matches maybe has one of the greatest builds of all time in some people's opinions. Uh, the match at WrestleMania 17 with the Limp Biscuit vignettes and promo building up to it. Some would say that Austin is Mr. WrestleMania. I don't think that he's quite in that category. He defined a generation, that's for sure. He's like Cena and Hogan. like He defined an entire time period there for a second. But Austin's run being so short, one of his wins was long before he was a star, or two years before he was a star, and one of his wins is 19 years after his last match. So, if you look at it from that perspective, you're looking at more of like a 4-2 and two record, I just don't think that that's really what I'm looking for when I look at Mr. WrestleMania. The last person on my list is one that I don't think anybody ever really talks about, but I think should be nearly number one in the discussion. This man is tied for the 13th most matches all time at WrestleMania with 11 total matches. He possesses a 7-4 record. 
He wrestled four times in one WrestleMania. Randy Savage does not get the respect at WrestleMania that he deserves. A lot of people want to talk about him and Steamboat. Him and Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. Him and Steamboat. Savage and Steamboat. It's the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. You've got to go watch it. If you haven't watched it in the past month, you need to go watch it again. And while that is a great match, the next year, he wrestled four times in one night at WrestleMania. That, again, I don't think something like that's ever going to happen again. So that's whenever I'm looking at who is Mr. WrestleMania, I'm thinking, who has done something that nobody is ever going to do again? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm ruling Roman Reigns out of being Mr. WrestleMania. But he has the potential. He has the potential to do things that nobody's ever done in the business. He's almost to Hogan. He could surpass him. Same thing applies with Savage. Nobody's going to wrestle four times in one night at WrestleMania anymore. We just talked about how Liv Morgan's going to be in a showcase tag match just because they're trying to get everybody on the card. That kind of stuff can't happen anymore. I don't care if they do have a tournament. If they have a tournament, nobody's going to wrestle four times. It's not happening. Don't ever look forward to it. You have to go back 35 years to see this happen. In my personal opinion, WrestleMania 4 is a very underrated WrestleMania. It has a ton of matches. Some of them suck. But I think the night as a whole, if you watch the night as a whole, you can appreciate that WrestleMania because of what Randy Savage done. And I'm a big Ted DiBiase fan too, who he ultimately ended up beating in the main event for the vacated World Heavyweight Championship. This was Randy Savage's crowning achievement at WrestleMania 4. So Randy Savage, I think, deserves to be in the discussion. So the final question is, who is Mr. WrestleMania? Well, if I had to pick a top three, it would definitely it would definitely be Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Randy Savage. Those are my top three. Now, the order in which those three guys go is a little difficult to come up with for me. The only reason I go with the guy that I go with is for one, I mean, he was the smartest one to think of the moniker himself. But for two, I think that Shawn Michaels had the best combination of winning big matches Losing to people to put them over to make them seem more important and putting on the best matches. Making you care about the story that's being told in the ring. Shawn Michaels is, and I think possibly always will be, Mr. WrestleMania. Some guys that are currently on the roster that I think could take that over is, like I said, Roman Roman Reigns. I think Seth Rollins could pass that up. I think Cody Rhodes could pass that up. He might be a little bit too old. There's not many guys that come around anymore that I think can just dominate the sport. And wrestling's going to go on for forever, right? Like, WrestleMania's not going to go away. I don't care if Disney buys WWE, Comcast. I don't care who buys them. It's not going to go away. So, there's going to be a guy 10 or 15 years from now where I'm like, well, he could be Mr. WrestleMania. But out of the roster right now, I don't see many guys that already have a decent WrestleMania withstanding. You know, I mentioned Seth, but he didn't make it on my list because I just don't feel like he's had 
enough. I don't know how to word it. I don't feel like he just has enough juice to be put into this category yet. He does have my favorite WrestleMania moment of all time with the cash-in. He set some damn good WrestleMania matches. Maybe he did deserve to be on the list now that I'm verbalizing it. But what I'm saying about Sean is, and even in Taker, I've, ob- I've mentioned for the past two weeks about how nobody's going to touch his 27, uh, his 27 matches. And with Savage, nobody's going to touch his four matches in one night. Sean, I don't think anybody's going to be able to touch his quality of matches, his ability to put people over and lose, and his ability to just outright steal the show. I mean, he's had these big moments. He's had bad moments. But even in the bad moments, Sean looks like the star. So, with that being said, Mr. WrestleMania is Shawn Michaels. I want to hear your thoughts on it. I also want to hear your thoughts on the Cody Rhodes situation. Is he the guy? Let me know. Tell me who do you think, if Cody Rhodes is not the guy, tell me who is the guy. If you thought it should have been Sami Zayn, that's cool. But what about going forward since it wasn't Sami Zayn? If Cody Rhodes loses at WrestleMania this year, who do you want to see dethrone Roman Reigns? Go follow me on all socials. Go subscribe to the podcast. Go follow the podcast. Like the podcast. Any kind of little button, knob. I don't care. Twist it, turn it, flip it, bop it. I want your interactions with me on social media and be looking forward to the giveaways that we're going to be having. Like I said, I'm planning on them being pretty big giveaways. I'm trying to work out how I'm going to do all of them. What I'm going to do, I don't want to just throw something up there and it not be something that you even care about. One of my ideas is to give away a couple of the pay-per-view chairs that I have. I collect pay-per-view chairs. And one of the ideas that I have is to send you to a WWE event and not just any WWE event, a big one. So trying to work out the kinks on that. And with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in again this week. So what about wrestling?